are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. Is, uh, he is not here. He's actually sick right now, so he gets well soon. But Out Now is a film podcast where Aaron and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whatever it's one of our fun, bleh, whatever it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something really different. And this is our commentary track for November 2023. That's right, November, and just fitting for this month, we are talking. Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt. Alfred, what what a great podcast we are, where we've talked about multiple Hitchcock films for commentary tracks. Hold up, wait, wait, wait. That's a fucking old movie, Aaron. It's <laughs> like 50, 60, 70. I'm bad at math. You start you Years started old. this when you when you dared us to do Kiss Me. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and wait, we wait did. Minute, this is in black and white. What the fuck? <laughs> Why are there bars on the side of my screen, Aaron? Well, joining me to discuss Shadow of a Doubt. Uh, we have uh, from from Wise of Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show, notorious for his thoughts on Santa Rosa, California. It's Brandon Peters. Hello, hello. And joining us from the rap, put into a frenzy when considering the box office for the missing Hitchcocks. It's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> Always a pleasure. How are uh, you remember that doing? Hitchcock movie that was like the worst movie of 2012? That was fun. Oh, oh, just Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> yes, Anthony Hopkins Hitchcock. Yes. That cast is like pretty loaded, as I recall. Actually, it's like him. It was Mirren, astonishing. Cast. Johansson, uh, and Michael Wincott, in like Wincott. a ten second cameo as uh, Ed Gein. And then they had the they had the, uh, they had the uh, HBO movie con- uh, uh, co- competitor too, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah Toby, Toby, so. Toby Jones. Toby Jones in his second version of I'm going to play the same character but differently <laughs> in a movie that came out the same time. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> That's the one that's focused on like him and Tippy Hedren, right? Yeah. Um, My Tippy. Were they like, yeah, they what's, what's that one called? What's it called? Is it just, it's I'll look it up as we go through this. Um, but glad you guys are here. Looking forward to talking about Shadow of a Doubt. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do for this commentary track. We're gonna talk about that movie. What we have currently going on is Brandon Scott and I all have the film paused five seconds in where the universal logo is folded, is kind of full uh, flying in there. And on the sound of go. We're all going to press play and to start talking about this movie. So if you plan to watch along with us, pause your film in five seconds, press go, and we say go, and you're good to go. Go. Yeah, tracks. If you're just oh. listening to listen, you're good to go. I keep saying go. 80 like. years. This is an 80-year-old movie. Yeah, it's the, 80, it's the 80th anniversary of Shadow Jesus. of the Doubt, Scott. <laughs> I just this very specifically. Listening to listen. I like that. If you're, listening, <laughs> if, you're, if you're just listening to listen, you're good to go. Just keep listening, and you'll enjoy all the... All of Scott's rants about uh, movies being mm-hmm. old and him being uh, nearly as old as them. Um, so let's <laughs> get to all this. I'm still young, damn it. You guys ready? I'm, yep. I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. Charles. Charles mm. in charge of our day. And, uh, I know there's a version of this that were like when it was first being conceived, like Uncle Charlie was like an idea for a title. I always thought like, I, yeah, it's based off of like, it, it's not quite a novel, right? Or like no, a... it's a, it's an idea for a story yeah. that someone who was involved with another person who worked for Selznick um, came up with, and mm. then and then his wife she posed the idea to to um to alma to hitchcock's wife to hitchcock, hitchcock yeah hitchcock's wife mm-hmm. um and they de- and she developed the story with thornton wilder and, Sa- and sally benson and then it yeah so it was like it's a based on a story idea that may have become something if it didn't become a movie mm-hmm. initially but then it went okay. on to become a screenplay um and then hitchcock was all about it he, he liked the 
Well, I mean, the thing that is well known about this movie, it's that it's Alfred Hitchcock's. It was his favorite of his own movies. It was it's a, his favorite. Yeah. He he loved the idea of bringing this kind of like murderous, I you know the, the, the basically like it's this corruption idea to a to a small idyllic town. In this case, we're we're talking Santa Rosa, California. Um, but the corruption we, of Americana. With all that, Jack the in suburbia, mm-hmm. and there's, I mean, there's, there's elements that this is based on, like the, um, the possible serial killer mm-hmm. in this film is is based on a uh, a twenty serial killer, early Earl Nelson, who was the Gorilla Man, uh, who apparently uh, mm-hmm. caused quite the, uh, I mean, if you get the title of serial killer, I guess you're doing your, you're doing something noticeable. Uh, but that and, uh, opening shot of this is I, I rem- it means it immediately went to vertigo when I when I was w- watching this or I was like oh yeah the way he sh- shoots the bridge mm-hmm. but now we're now we're in Newark way to shoot the bridge currently. but yeah yeah um yeah we'll get plenty into all of this of course but I, I want to ask you guys first as we normally do when did you first see Shadow of a Doubt Brandon when did you first see this movie uh you know I I can't recall um. <laughs> to be honest with you, I probably rented it like I had like Hitchcock was big for me, like always in life um, as a director. He was fed to me as like the best. Uh, my parents enjoyed some of him, although I, I got a a heavy helping of Alfred Hitchcock Presents was a lot sure. of my first Hitchcock stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, there, and uh, we'd watch that on Nick at Night all the time. And so somewhere in um in somewhere in the late nineties, early two thousands is probably where I first like checked it out. Um and I'm not I can't remember whether this one hit me right away or not as like, ooh, this is great. Uh but yeah, so that's probably around when I saw it. Scott, how about you? Uh opening night theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, time travel um no i i got into a hitch you know i've i kind of always knew who hitchcock was even growing up uh i rented psycho when i was i think 11 mm-hmm. and then my next three were my first three were, were rear window psych of uh, psycho rear window and vertigo so i got the three quote-unquote classics out of the way and then uh, this this i watched along with dialing for murder which i loved just as pure pulp uh, I've never cared for the birds much. That was not one of my favorites, for what that's worth. But that's one of the um, first ones you go to, though. It's like there's this there's this stretch like you're talking, like where it's like you hit these bam, 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 uh, ones right up, and um, for sure. And then yeah, I mean th- this is even before I knew that this was quote unquote his favorite film. I mean it's it's, and just by you know my age, I saw The Stepfather first, um, just as a a horror film that seemed a bit different from the rest that were airing on channel 43 on the week of Halloween when I got to see all the R-rated films edited for television that I otherwise couldn't see in theaters or on video. This was when mm-hmm. I was very young. And Stepfather isn't a remake per se, but it's very much a rip-off, don't remake. And it's 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 plays with some of the same themes. Um but having seen this, of course, there's a giant compliment. A... There's a giant compliment to the stepfather. <laughs> like, oh yeah. God, yes. Well, I really the idea like of them the taking, like, yeah, we were really thinking of Shadow of a Doubt a ton when we were making the stepfather. <laughs> like, yeah. I see what you're saying. There's obviously loose. Pretty sure stepfather was just like, how, what, what kind of thing that's normal can we make a slasher? Like, that's I think. Uh, you know, it's funny um, you mentioned Rear Window. Uh, first time I saw that actually was uh, it was a VHS tape we had that had a View to a Kill on it. 
And like after the end of a view to kill some, you know, like when you'd see something that was taped before come off, it was these opening credits of this movie. And I watched it with Jimmy Stewart. Wound up, it was rear window. And that's the first time I saw it was on some VHS tape that we had that almost got taped over, but a view to a kill ended and was done. taping. <laughs> um, By the way, so I, yeah, this was I, part of the slew of, I'm going to watch a lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies phase. Um, we're introduced to Joseph to to Joseph Cotton's Joe Cotts Joe Cotts uh Uncle Chuck's um here he's I feel like obviously we know something's up with this guy I it's fun to think about like how how well how aware are we supposed to be that this man is nefarious in some way and obviously the 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 it's a Hitchcock movie it's putting up music deliberately around him in a certain way it's framing Mm -hmm. him in a very specific way so obviously we know there's there's something wrong with this. But he did just like casually murder his landlord just now. Like that's, that's kind of what's implied right here. Like, he just, yeah. like there's already a body count in this movie. Um, a co- yeah, there's a few. He's been going down to just like the stepfather. He's been going woman to woman. <laughs> well, yeah, we certainly we learn more about what he's up to later on. But I mean, the the movie mm. already gets a start with like he's already killed somebody. <laughs> like he's already done that. Um. I, I, as far as when I saw this movie, as I've mentioned many times, and on our probably on our psycho commentary that we've already done as well, um, I've watched Hitchcock films since I was young. My mom would, uh, mm-hmm. put a lot of Hitchcock films on for me, and yeah, the Nick and Knight, um, Alfred Hitchcock presents that was certainly a big part of my childhood as well. It's this movie. If I had seen it before in the nineties, at some point, it's certainly possible, but I can't specifically remember. But I do specifically remember watching it for the first time in full. Um, when the Alfred Hitchcock Masterpiece Collection came out on DVD, which is like 2005, I want to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I was watching them. And like, I had already seen like most of them in that box, but I was watching them in order at that point. And there were some that you just wouldn't be able to, you know, like uh, Trouble with Harry or like ones that you yeah. just like weren't being like that wasn't around very much at that point. So like seeing, so I was watching those films in order. So by the time you get to Shadow of a Doubt, from my perspective, it did hit me, I think, the right way because I was, you know, already prepped for Hitchcock as far as like I've been watching lots of Hitchcock stuff and everything. But like seeing the films like in that order and being more into getting more and more into film at that point in my life, I was like, yeah, all right, this one really can. And, you know, it's not like I wasn't liking the ones that were leading up to Shadow of Doubt, but like I was just really into what the story had to offer. Being one that was already like so like Psycho was such my thing as a kid and now and so like seeing something like this which is you know decidedly different from psycho in terms of what it's doing like that's operating on a more visceral level there's more impactful stuff taking place in the moment where this is like a very you know it's a slow burn essentially um i completely uh, responded to it 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 hit me in the same way that something like strangers on a train hit me where it's like Mm -hmm. i like this kind of here's a you know a, a different kind of location that we're getting into and there's you know strange things afoot take place i I, yeah so i was fully in by the time i actually saw this yeah um this one and this this isn't in the common like first recommend classics of hitchcock i think this is in like the second tier when it gets to it but like it it definitely is the one that you're like oh this is really this one should be up there with that that batch but by the way and i mean this as a compliment this child is a raging asshole and it's awesome (laughs) I, I like this bit of business where she's reading the book the whole time when she has to like get the footstool, yeah. grab it, get on the phone, and still read the book. <laughs> this, I mean, this 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 Hitchcock would work excellently because of the way, the, how good all the characters are on paper. I think 
Uh, yep. This one worked well as like a stage production. Um, I can see that, yeah. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of places to go, but like every character comes in and is like an instant favorite almost. In terms of like, yeah, like I, in terms of like planting characters around you in a given scene, yes, mm-hmm. like it's very, it's adaptable in that way. And I'm sure probably, I know it's been adapted. It's been adapted for radio, like most things yeah. were back at that point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of theatrical production version of it. Though that said, it does, and I know you're not saying it doesn't, but like it does speak to like what Hitchcock's able to do, where so much tension can be wrung out of the way he's shooting mm-hmm. all of these scenes, obviously, and the way he's positioning cameras and whatnot right. to denote, you know, the the menace that could be silent and presenting itself or what have you. But and, but yeah, I know, mean, there's a funness I think to just having these characters come in and out of screen and what have you. So. And I mean, you look back at old Hitchcock, and he just puts like the middle finger to this whole. Uh, you know, we live in an era or have come out of one that had a lot of mystery box stuff to it. And I'm not, I'm not just saying JJ Abrams more than him do that, but like Hitchcock's like the middle finger to it. Like I'll tell you everything, everything like, cause like, you know, a modern movie might, is the uncle really bad? Is he doing this? This is up front with everything. And it's yeah. still suspenseful as hell. And what? it's, it's his adage of, you know, two guys at a table talking, there's a bomb under it um that whole thing but like it's just amazing to be like these people that want to hold back all these secrets and he's like throws it all on the table as far more suspenseful mysterious and everything else while everything's there then yeah it takes a bit for him to like put all the cards on the table but like as i was saying earlier like we certainly know something's up with charlie right uh, and it's not likely to be very good just based on again how everything's framed around him by the way right. uh we, we've already met uncle charlie now we're meeting uh the other charlie oh yeah this is brilliant yeah and i like that both characters are introduced to us lying down in bed complaining about things <laughs> like there's there's a lot well, of a lot of similarities you can draw well, between the two charlies he's uh he's lying in bed and his arms are like this and his eyes are closed and she's like this and open-eyed like her world like she sees the world more optimistically and yeah. he's a bit more closed-minded uh, which is the thing that's interesting about how they blatantly introduce. And these are things that are like completely thought out back in the day with filming and stuff that um, super important. Uh, and then I also, also I doing research for this as well. I read some things into like uh, this one, having a bit of big uh, analogy or um, playing on vampirism um, with huh. this movie and how it fits in into things. It's not like, Oh yeah, this is a, it's quite it's secretly a vampire movie but there's a lot of ideas in there that work in ways beyond supernatural that still follow the thematics of vampire. yeah i can see you can draw parallels to what uncle charlie is up to and how mm-hmm. he ingratiates himself into the lives of these people and and then even his general attitude and what have you no there's there's plenty there yeah as he's on his current trip from the on the the train known as the demeter um big charlie and little charlie uh, so we already met Joseph Cotton. Now we have a uh, Teresa right here, um, who is somewhat of a new actress at this point. But she is. Mm-hmm. This is her fourth film, and her first three films she got Oscar nominations for. So um, that's why she's first billed on the poster. Even though Joseph Cotton's been, you know, doing it a little longer at this point. Um, so she's but, like a Jennifer Lawrence of her day. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, she, she's a yeah. She's a new, she's in her, like, she's like 26, I think here, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not old by any stretch. And yeah, she's coming off of multiple Academy Award nominations into a Hitchcock movie. Um, And this is the one that flops. So it's like it didn't pay off as far as that goes. um, At the time, at least. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a get to, you know, have someone like her in here along with, you know, Joseph Cotton. There's a there's a notion I was going back through and stuff and people talking about this being uh, the first uh, notable Hitchcock classic uh-huh. in his mm-hmm. in his wheelhouse. And I I'm like, really? Because the 39 steps exists. The Lady Vanishes exists. Suspicion exists. Rebecca exists. Rebecca, Rebecca won a Best Picture Oscar. <laughs> and I, I will. I'm a little I will, befuddled by that. I will let. I will let Rebecca slide because there's a lot of people that like. Yeah, he did that. Wasn't there, there's there's arguments around stuff with Rebecca. Fine, sure. But I'm like the 39 Steps. The 39 is Steps like, is amazing. That's that's the genesis of his you know his well. Um, and that's a damn good movie on its own right. Lady Vanish is also very good. Lady Vanish is just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, Sus- yeah. Suspicion also close. So I'm like, where, where are we? For, foreign correspondent is, is fucking great. I mean, like uh, the original, <laughs> the, or- the original the, North by Northwest. <laughs> like it's it's amazing. Well, yeah, the, and I mean the original man who was who knew too much. That's very good with well, uh, Peter Lorre. Like. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? Where are we coming with this shadow of the doubts? The first classic, like I, I think it's because it was accepted so instantly as a good movie, as opposed okay. to what, and it's not like those movies were like, like this guy I don't know about him, like, but they certainly didn't have like the universal acclaim that it, that shadow of a doubt seemed to. Maybe they uh, were more known overseas than they were in the states. That's the other thing. This, this that's is quite this, possible. That 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 is. That's the other but, thing. This is okay. his first, this is his first major film that's that's specifically rooted in America. You know, right. His other films are there's some like globetrotty at some points. They're in different areas. They're on. Okay. You know, they're, they're not, they're not specifically rooted in the United States. And I do gotcha. think that, that, and, and it's him like working in Hollywood at that point too. Like he's doing that from Rebecca on, which that's 1940. This is 1943. So he's, you know, it's only been a few years, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it's, you know, the Hollywood, the Hollywood critics, you know, finding this and being like, we all agree this is a great movie. I think that's what's being referred to. I don't disagree with what gotcha. you're saying. He right. has he has plenty of great films before this, but like he's got a run of six films in the UK, his spy films, the, the run of six. That's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. And oh, I know three of them are noted um, or like we we know more about, but like there's like sabotage pretty good. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, the the other they're all. It's a good run. It, right before he leaves, he makes Jamaica in. But right before Jamaica in, there's like six films. Are like boom, 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 and he's got it. And then, uh, yeah, he comes with the bigger productions and stuff in America. But he's got some fantastic stuff before he leaves. Those also, it's a silent film like The Lodger. Yeah, how's The Lodger not a classic? Uh, Ring's pretty good, but like, yeah, I'm just like confused. Like I was, you know, it's like okay. This is some like elitist United States bullshit that calls it. I mean, pretty much because I, I can't speak to like what that is exactly beyond what I've just said already. But like, it's, right? Yeah, it's it's a especially yeah because you have something like Rebecca, which seems. I always wonder if like Rebecca didn't win, if that would have led to something different for Hitchcock's Oscar path. Right. Well, he's on the Selznick thing for a bit, so he's got those movies which are, you know, there's like I don't know. They're, there's just that that deal with them that there's a hand of Selznick in them. Sure, but speaking still, of here, still Harry, you get you get he, notorious out of it. So Hitchcock's here, by the way. This is the scene he's in. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> playing the cards, and he's he has all he's holding all the cards. It's yes. a, some visual thematics there. That all. 
<laughs> which Scott, you mentioned Dial M for Murder, which is one I when I was growing up was one of the A titles, like a huge recommend, and I feel like that one. Because well, it was in three D, it was a big deal. I saw that. I yeah. saw. I saw a film print of that one year. Um, can't remember. I was really excited about that. It was fun. Um, it wasn't in three D, um, but um, still no, real good. One... Real good depth on that one because of the three D. Yeah, shooting. that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when when I watch these pictures, you know, obviously I appreciate you know, when I'm a kid, you know, I appreciate Vertigo and I appreciate even Rear Window, but for me, Dalam for Murder was one that just oh, this is just fucking fun. Yeah. Other, I mean, a um, lot of like, it's and frankly, hard... a perfect murder rocks too. If right. you know, say what you will about remaking Hitchcock. Well, perfect, yeah, perfect murder is not not a not a bad movie by nope. that any that stretch. Like it's it, it's better than many others. <laughs> many others. Many others. But no, like his wheel. I mean, like it's not like he didn't make any bad movies. But I mean, the the average he has is astounding. Uh, yeah, for, for how much he did and like. Oh, how good they are. Grant, we have he has missing films because he was making them at such a time that mm-hmm. it's likely they're destroyed, unusable. There's just some that have not been found, um, that are gone probably forever. But what's what's here, and when you get to a certain point where he's making just straight out entertainments, it's yeah, pretty good. Bad, even the silent films there are good. He's um constantly focusing on paranoia being on the run all sorts of stuff um and making things like lifeboat and whatnot that just change up every once in a while this one is definitely a, a change up i like this shot where like all the characters leave the frame and they just leave charlie standing there mm-hmm. walking and plotting uh, as far as where this like my my Hitchcock ranking list, which is just like I don't know Scorsese, as far as like what's my favorite, but like I do, this is one that I call to freak like Psycho's like always my number one, and mm-hmm. then it, and then it like rotates as far as like Rear Window, North by Northwest, Shadow of the Doubt's one that I always like to put in that top five though. I I, I really love this movie. Like I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely terrific in what it's doing. That and and, and Strangers, honestly, those are like the like the, I like the. Yeah. If you're pairing these movies, I like mm-hmm. that's that's a, it's a great pair for me. Yeah, those that's the best. That's a good double yeah. bill. That's a this one continues. This one's like Vertigo, where it just continues to grow in esteem with me. Um, that's fair. Um, what's his? I mean, is there sort of a universal about what his worst film is? Or people point to the last couple, the Family Plot, and I don't think fan. No, uh, I think Paradigm Case is one that is brought up as the worst. I think Topaz is pretty bad. Um, There's a... Oh, Under Capricorn is not a celebrated one either. So those are those are three. Family Plot... just pretend Frenzy was his last movie. Yeah, Family Plot's just kind of mediocre. It's not bad. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's entertaining. Like I've always, Honestly, I mean, I everybody's if it always... the last movie. It would have been like it's fine. Yep, yep, it's fine. It, it's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, Topaz is just really long. It's got one really cool shot in it, where this girl get this woman gets shot and she falls and her dress looks like a pool of blood falling out. It's pretty cool. But that's all I remember from Topaz. Under Capricorn's a good call. That's one where it's yeah. like, all right. 
I don't, know, uh, I don't know what the regard for like Mr. and Mrs. Smith is either because it's just so yeah. Like, what if you did a comedy once? It's like all right. stage fright's okay, but it's not. I don't think it's like it's in the like bottom middle tier probably of things. Um, but then there's all, all outlier things that are really good that people tend to over like uh, the wrong man or I confess. Those are really good. The wrong man's a very good. Um, Henry Fonda looking into the camera and being like, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do, me? I'm innocent. I'm Henry Fonda. America's a nice guy. Jamaica Inn? That's not a... No, it's just any anyone you like, many of them you settle in, you're like, oh man, this is really good. I think, I think, Jamaica, tra- I think Jamaica Inn sits more as like one that's gr- like growing in estimation over time. It feels like that's like yeah. come up more as far as like, this is actually pretty good, Jamaica Inn. It's good, actually. I think one that I think should be higher up that kind of just gets tossed, tossed in the conversation, What no one talks about whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's Trouble with Harry. That's a really, I, I like a really good movie. I I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun when I watched it, like the, the yeah. first time when I like I said I was watching the, that DVD set. Like I, I thought, it was yeah, like, it's a fun diversion. It's like I was really fun. It's just yeah. it's him just doing a straight comedy. Like it's and it has no, and rope the, is a lot of fun. It has a, oh, rope is yeah, rope is excellent. Rope was the one I was looking forward to most when opening that box set. I'm like, it's like one take. That's the idea I got that it's you know it's <laughs> trick photography. But like I, but the idea, the concept of it, like intrigued me so much. I'm like, that's cool. That's, I want to see what that looks like. I one I one I think is undervalued. I don't think I don't want to say like, oh, it's great, but I think it's pretty good. It's torn curtain. I like that one quite a bit. Paul Newman. Is that the Paul Newman one? Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's like it's you know it's like he's done this movie so many times, and this isn't the best of them, but it's still pretty good. That's, <laughs> that's it's I got some really it. cool sequences in there. Yeah, right? I know um, what Wes Anderson pulled from that movie for um, Grand Budapest mm-hmm. for like one extended chase scene that's pretty fun. There's a murder scene in there that's like yep very extended because it's like. It's not Is that easy to just takes him forever to kill a guy. Yes, it's yeah, not yeah, easy. Yeah. It's okay. not easy to kill somebody, and that's like <laughs> the Coens are like lifting from that in Psycho for Blood Simple. Mm-hmm. As far as like this shit's complicated, <laughs> like you can't just murder somebody <laughs> and just be done with it. Like it takes some effort. I um I really like the remake of Man Who Knew Too Much. I don't think it's necessarily like disparaged or whatnot, but I oh no, yeah, it's that's. You know, it gets placed logs. It's a the fact that it's a remake just automatically like I think dings it for some people. But mm-hmm. like my mom used to sing K Sarah Sarah to me. Yep. And like it's, it's a sweet spot for me as far as just watching that movie. No, it's and, a good movie. And it's like, yeah, you got you got you got Jimmy and Doris Day. It's like that's... Well, you can watch it in the original back to back and feel like you watched two They're different totally movies. different movies. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, one has this just ugly troll person and the other has um uh Peter Laurie. Yeah, one's <laughs> one's mainly stationary in in its in where it is, but yeah, um, I would say with like Hitchcock in terms of like his value and like pop culture and stuff, not so much anymore. But I was growing up like, and you know, I grew up in the Midwest, probably different from California stuff, but like his posters and movie stuff would be like restaurant decor for certain places, you know, sure. like yeah, and uh, you can't say that about everybody. It, his posters go up with like. Casablanca 
in places and things like that. Like his his poster, like a rear window, you could see at a random restaurant just on the wall with art and stuff. So like that, just, he, he was in that cool place where he was a movie mm-hmm. star director, essentially. Like he was yeah. a public person. We certainly talked about this on Psycho, I'm sure, but like we right. He's a guy that had a presence, had a personality, had a thing where it's like, hey, who's in the new Hitchcock movie? Oh, Cary Grant's in this. And long right. You know, it's like it it was notable to be like, not only is like there a new Jimmy Stewart picture out or, you know, new Henry Fund or what have you, Gregory Peck. It's like, oh, it's it's a Hitchcock combo with these people. It's like that's, you know, we don't get that often these days, you know. One now. ticket for the new Hitchcock picture, please. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now, as Sky, you know this. You, you narrow it down to what Nolan, Tarantino, and what else? Like, yeah. <laughs> not many. Yeah, You're on a I, budget, Shyamalan, but Shyamalan, yeah. on a budget. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I have been seeing in trailers since the summer that there's been a focus on who directed this. With a lot of the trailers I've been seeing, from the visionary Did mind I, of, yeah. I've been I've been noticing that with original pictures well, that they've been trying to put a name on it. I remember so like, in good. summer 2019, this was right when the tenant teaser dropped. I wrote a piece thinking that, you know, maybe this was going to be sort of something that the studios would do where they'd start trying to build up marquee directors. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, sans COVID, it might have worked. I mean, obviously, Rian Johnson is apparently somewhat of a bankable name because Ryan, you know, knives out me. It's not a hard name. It's, it's Ryan. It's just Ryan. Yeah. It just has an I instead of a Y. That's all. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, in summer 2020, we we're going to get you know Chris Nolan's Tenet. We were going to get John M. Chu's In the Heights. We we're going to get James Wan's Malignant. And I don't know how well those films would have done in normal times, but the optimistic point of view was that they were going to do better than they would because their directors had some pull at least in their respective genres. It's another John M. Chu musical, you know, know, melodrama. It's another James Wan horror freak out, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, uh, that's just one thing that was, you know, didn't happen because of how badly, understandably, COVID screwed up the release date schedules. What's so weird is that how it doesn't apply to some majors. Like, if you say a new Steven Spielberg film, that's not the sell. Like that, it would have been in no. the '80s or no. mid '90s, and or, or Scorsese for that matter. Scorsese's never been like a huge blockbuster player, anyway. So that's not unless he has Leo. Well, it's them. it's almost all of his biggest movies were DiCaprio vehicles. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's well. the same way that you know, and a, a lot of Hitchcock's biggest movies were you know with a movie star. Yeah, like, which, that's why you know, one reason why Oppenheimer was such a shock is that you know, all due respect, Killian Murphy is not Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, to its credit, I think they, I was telling this to Brandon when it was coming out, like, I appreciated that I was underselling the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is like a major part of this movie. Like, they could have, yeah. I could have, there's a scenario where they could have had character posters for all these people. And then you'd it be could like, have been a versus yes. versus type trailer. And it, and it, 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 it really could have been. And it really did. It. Yeah. Like, I, I think you'd be hard pressed no, to know Downey was in there unless you looked at the poster. Julian Murphy like, versus Robert Downey Jr. with Matt Damon caught in the middle. And, and that Matt Damon, like, people know that, but he's like such a, reliable like he's in there yeah. like but but no I, I did appreciate that the Warner Brothers apparently went because we all love Warner Brothers these days but like they went out of their way to be like it's an ensemble film and Killian Murphy's the big lead like that's it and and Universal. we're hiding and we hit Josh Univer- oh, that's why Universal that's why sorry yes. <laughs> okay. yeah we we hit that's Josh right? Hartnett and all the trailers it's an ensemble yeah. but when he shows up you're like oh yeah yeah he was in this movie yeah as a counter, talking about this movie, I already mentioned this movie flopped because I yeah. mean, it, jo- Joseph Cotton wasn't pulling in the numbers in the same way that Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart was. And even like then, I mean, 
Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant, they they went for a while. Things worked, but like Vertigo wasn't a hit. Um, <laughs> um, Vertigo which, almost ruined Hitchcock. Yeah, it's now yeah. considered this big movie, but they were like, "Is he done?" And that's, well, that, that was the, that's why that's that's why Stewart wasn't in North by Northwest because he thought that Stewart like tanked him from Vertigo. It's like you are the, mm-hmm. the, the the people don't want to see you anymore. I got to get somebody else. You got Cary Grant. <laughs> Um, that one's definitely a case of retroactive acclaim. Yep. Um, well, the people who liked it had to grow up to like it. Like there's a there's that happens all the time. You'll see yeah. now that like I mean, s- slasher movies from the '80s are written about more favorably by like more professional people than were then because the people who liked them have now grown up to write about them. So to all you people who get so mad about critic stuff will grow up write about them and it'll happen for you i guess here's a fun little side thing by the way as far as the movie goes we have hume cronin as uh, herbie hawkins who like has this mm-hmm. like running gag side thing as he's like a neighbor and he's like presenting all these ideas of like how you could get away with murder essentially mm-hmm. which is like it's it's a fun bit like in a movie that's which helps it pair with strangers on a train for sure it does <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it really rides it in this is his first movie by the way he's a uh... mm character actor he does a lot of things from here he does a lot of more he has a number of more hitchcock movies he's in lifeboat um I'm sure he's probably in one more at least but he's around um i mean is he surprised to see this story being reported in a newspaper i mean that's kind of how this well works. well what, if, if it's it a local leads. he's on the he's on the opposite coast now at this point yeah so yeah. It's, the story's working its way and also, you need a movie, Scott. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just and then he moved to Santa Rosa. The end. <laughs> I do like this bluff, though, of how he gets out of it. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, I want to let me show you a trick of this newspaper. Let me rip this very specific part of it, and I'll make you a barn. Also, I like that he automatically knows how to make a barn out of a newspaper. That's that's pretty clever. Oh, we everybody used everybody to do knows that how back to do that. Oh yeah, is that is that a, okay? Yeah, back okay. then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. dads. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. That's a. That's you don't a have your building a barn out of newspaper merit badge. There you go. I, was you a, can... I didn't do Boy Scouts or or Boys and Girls Club. No matter how many times Denzel Washington told me to do it. <laughs> and we are in America because the kid has a gun as a toy. <laughs> we didn't see what's in the newspaper, right? We just saw that he saw something no. that was alerting him to. We don't see right. it for a little bit later. Yeah, and we also had the hint where she he gave her a ring and it had someone else's initials on it, so. which yes. is obviously shady. And then there was the whole music thing, right, where he's listening to a waltz and they're trying to figure out what the mm-hmm. waltz is. And it's I, I like the idea that that's that's the thing that'll give him away. It's like if they discover the real title, which is what like the the Mary Mary Widow waltz or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If they figure that out, they might put two and two together and figure I'm a murderer. The name of this tune is "I Killed the Bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she sees something. Joseph yeah, so, Cotton. Um Joko. Yeah. Joko. I I don't feel this way, but I, I've had I've heard people aren't not everybody's like the fondest of Joseph Cotton. Yeah, there's like a weird stigma about him, right? Yeah, like Charlie's certainly fond of Joseph Cotton. <laughs> if you know what like, I mean. It seems like he gets like the he gets taken down the most when it comes to like Orson Welles's like players. 
Like I think specifically in like Citizen Kane, people don't like really like Joseph Cotton, like his his acting. I got it. Again, I don't feel that way. Like I like third the third man's one of my favorite movies ever. But like third man is awesome. Yeah. But uh I, I'm aware that that's seems to have been a thing where he's a he's a not necessarily controversial, but a guy that's not necessarily given all the respect from all the film historians. Probably from being in Heaven's Gate. <laughs> uh, never never help. Never Oscar nominated, by the way, despite having a lot of films under his belt. You know, he did. Mm. He had the, the multiple uh, Orson Welles movies. Um, he had um, this. He had um, Gaslight. Um, Third Man, obviously. I don't necessarily know what I'd nominate him for, but just notable that he's a pretty significant player in the, you know, early days of cin- the golden era of cinema. Yeah. I think he's good here. He's, he has a yeah. he, he has a menace to him that I think fits yeah, really nice. well. Speaking of which, because we like to do these things, um, Hitchcock wanted uh, where is it? He wanted William Powell. William Powell. Mm-hmm. So he wanted who they got play. for the radio play. They did give the radio play, but MGM wouldn't loan him out for the movie because this is the point where they were on contracts back then. So like he, he, they, they, MGM was like, no, we are not loaning out our actor to be in your movie. And I'm sure that didn't bite him in the ass at all. <laughs> uh, Teresa Wright Cary Grant was considered, hmm? if I recall. Yeah, Cary, Cary Grant, Grant was he was he was considered for sure. He also did a radio play. Uh, Teresa Wright, um, uh, uh, Hitchcock wanted initially Joan Fontaine or uh, Dame Olivia de, ha- de, ha- de Havilland. Um, they were not available, but getting a three time Oscar nominee certainly not the worst trade up either. Also, it seems like they I'm not saying that Joan Fontaine or them are they're old. But it seems like she, Teresa Wright, does seem she reads younger, like at that mm. point, which she's supposed to be. She's supposed yeah. to be a teenager at this point. But Fontaine, maybe at the point. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Teresa Wright seems like she plays young. What else? Um, so it was 1943. Uh, you know, World War II is happening right now. This movie notably doesn't really have anything referring to it whatsoever. And it's not like Hitchcock's been averse to, you know, spy dramas or what have you as far as dealing with things that are, are surrounding the war at this time. But this is a movie that's... That makes sense in the sense that this takes place over a few days in suburbia. For and, sure. You know, they may not have had any skin in the game, so... Right. Perhaps there's just it's you know outside of maybe a newspaper or something. There's just nothing here yeah. that indicates the fact that America is in a war right now. I mean, there, there's like so much excitement about this guy coming home. That's like, what do you do? And if you add war person to it, it kind of gets okay. I get that a little bit, but he it, it's I don't know. These people are just like. Losing their minds over, oh, we got a little truck of Charles coming home. Charles coming home. You don't disappoint my what my sister because she's so excited about me coming home. Like, what's up with this dude? That he's so, you know, he comes home and he's all shady, and everybody's like, yeah, it's cool. I do wonder what that, like, yeah, what that backstory is supposed to be as far as mm-hmm. him being, you know, he's, he's the younger brother of younger brother of the uh, mm-hmm. mother of the house, and he's so, and you know, obviously, um. 
Charlie, young Charlie, female Charlie, is so fond of her uncle. Like, what was his what was his last appearance <laughs> like? Yeah, what like what was what he... you do? Like, I it, it, so if they were to like go, hey, he went to war, he came back, he got dropped off on the coast and just stayed there, and now he's coming home for the first time. Okay, we got this war hero guy we haven't met, but. And so they instantly think the best of him because he went and fought in a war and they would never suspect that he was marrying these widows, but I don't know. I don't know. I just it's just kinda it's crazy like, oh my god, Uncle Charles. Well, let's let's pitch this now. We can pitch this to a studio, prequel mm-hmm. to Shadow of a Doubt, Uncle Charlie. Uh we could probably get you know, I don't know about the majors, but Lionsgate seems to be like pretty open to things these days. I think we can get them on board. G. I. Charlie. G. I. Which no, you know what? That's probably racist, or get <laughs> it would get mistaken for being something racist. We're like, no, like shout out the doubt, Charlie, white guy, Charlie. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, because which we hmm. haven't mentioned yet, but there's the Park Chan Wook's Stoker, which um, written by Wentworth Miller, that, yep. that heavily uh, influenced from this too. But like, there's no like, oh. Charles with that one. Yeah, that's more of a built thing. Yeah, and he's this kind of enigmatic figure that enters into their lives and has its own effect. Because yeah, it's not a direct remake. It's just a really good thriller that happens to have some pretty cool. Yeah, but if they all were psychos. Yeah. (laughs) With Matthew Good, the the dollar general, Tom Hiddleston. So mean. <laughs> Not wrong. I because I do think he's really good in Stoker. He's good in the things that he's right. He's good. Oh, no, he was good. Yeah. I mean, he's good I, in a lot of things. Like, and he yeah. was around before Hiddleston for sure. in terms of major spotlight projects. But I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably his role now is put them together, is what I'm saying. They oh, could be uh, they could be fun brothers in something. Not even their mother could tell them apart. <laughs> War horse too. Hiddleston secretly survived War Horse, as we Hire all know. Rise. <laughs> the Night Managers. <laughs> dollar sign, dollar sign. Dollar sign, dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't, even, hasn't even talked about that? Haven't they said something about like a second season of The Night Manager? Because if they did, <laughs> get Matthew Good on the phone. I feel like they came up recently. Like they were talking about like something about like another another series of the of the night manager. Which is a solid I like that one a lot, the the John Carre mm-hmm. Le Carre like miniseries that they did. Speaking of which Little Drummer Girl was a Park Chen book adaptation as a mm-hmm. miniseries as well, getting back to the Stoker thing. It all comes full circle. <laughs> oh. I like this hat that Uncle Charlie wears here, which is just like, is it their father's hat? Like, I think he was wearing like the same hat earlier. Which this film, this one's like um, a lot of location shooting, right? Yeah, they went to Santa which Rosa. Is, yeah, which is anti Hitchcock because he's a he loves he loves his sets, loves sets and studio stuff, he loves his sets. Total control. But yeah, they filmed it was on set and in Santa Rosa. I like this version of Charlie where he's just like openly being an asshole. <laughs> he just starts uh, like, saying like, don't embezzle too much money now here. Let's, let me be as loud as possible at the bank. He's even looking behind him to announce the things he's saying. <laughs> it's so funny. 
And obviously, you know, we just passed the the end of the first act and through the rest of the movies became more and more of a dick. Yeah, he really um, gives up the whole <laughs> nice guy yeah. scheme pretty quickly. <laughs> Once he almost breaks her hand, it's pretty much by you know, it's it's mm-hmm. mask off, as they say. Yeah, the spell is being broken around <laughs> Uncle Charlie as we speak. I think it is the first time we see the the father kind of not lose his cool, but like the mm-hmm. yeah the that the the sunnier demeanor that he's portraying throughout this you know that first act is like gone now. Like it's like wait a minute, that's true. Let's <laughs> just don't be an asshole. To me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just your uh your what your um uncle in law. What would he be? Or brother in law? Brother in law, yeah. Everybody's online banking these days, right? So we don't get like bank scenes like this anymore. No. We don't get bank manager scenes. <laughs> Unless it's like a period film. And it's like, why can't or, we get this loan? Or yeah. Who, got, well, who does I... banking in person anymore? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. We, so we don't get like juicy oh, scenes sorry. like this. <laughs> <You got> <laughs> the, <laughs> cl- the classic bank manager denying someone a loan or accepting a deposit or something like that. Like the last significant one that I could think of that's modern day is obviously Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she did the right thing, though. Did she? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's supposed to deny her the loan. It doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> <laughs> David Pamer's making her feel like a jerk about it the whole time. For all the times that like fashion comes full circle and things like that, it's surprising we don't have more of like the hats that come full circle. It seems like that never really comes back around. Fancy Mrs. hats like this. Mrs. Potter, she related to a guy from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Is that his wife? They're in a bank. Yes. Oh, the, the, yeah, it's all banks. Mrs. Potter. Yeah. yeah. Like it feels like women wear these kind of fancy hats, like almost like out of parody when they go to like horse races and stuff like that. Mm. It's like it's like yeah, wear a fancy hat to play along with the game, but not just like you don't go into like a grocery store and you see somebody wearing like a hat like that. It's like yeah, it's back in style. The Venetian blind game in this movie is all over the place. Like we're seeing blinds left and right. It is November after all. And as we know, the only way to do noir is by having blinds and shadows. That's the only thing that makes it noir. Nothing else. That's uh, that's, that's that's the knowledge that we all got. Are these uh, the police guys? Are these the same ones that were at the... Or is it FBI? What are they? Agents of some kind? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Were these the same guys that were in Newark also? I think that's yeah. the implication. Yeah. That they basically are running around cross country to find this guy, even though they have no idea what he looks like. Mm-hmm. This part, I mean, these, these, this bit, I mean, it's fine, but it certainly threw me for a loop the first time. And it's, for me, it's, om- it almost, I mean, I get it. You want, you know, you want exposition and you want someone to talk to her and explain what's actually going on. So she doesn't have to you know, read all the exposition in a newspaper. Um, but 
I remember being surprised by how much of an active role these otherwise peripheral characters had in the story. Well, Especially when, you know, when people talk about this film, they never talk about, oh, those two cops that are in huge segments of it. What I like is that it's very much in the style of like the 40s and 50s where it's like, yeah, people just like they form courtships out of like nothing. They're like, yeah, we're together yeah. now. <laughs> like there's, a, there's a romance here because that's the style of the time. That's what we're doing. Well, like my, you, mentioned, you, mentioned, that... you mentioned the trouble of Harry. Like the end of that film is like the guy's getting married to one of the like young girls in the neighborhood just because like, well, we spent a lot of time together this week. I guess I should ask her a hand <laughs> in marriage. Like that's like that's it. There's no there's no build up to it. It's like, I guess I'll marry you. Like, right? That's how it is. You wanna? Yeah. <laughs> See, me watching this from a quote unquote modern sensibility, I you know, my feeling would be that. You know, they have that romantic interest thrown in to make it sort of buff off the notion that Charlie and Charlie want to schlop each other. Um, and if you I mean, were I, to I, remake this in a modern age, they probably would make that slightly more apparent. You mean Stoker? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is full of tension. <laughs> like oh, <a> yeah. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I mean, I feel like, I, you, as you already mentioned, once he grabbed her arm the way he did, like the... Yeah. The admiration, however that may seem, and I don't Hitchcock might be perverse, but I don't think he's he's really leaning on that all that much in this film specifically. Other films maybe. I do think it dissipates pretty quickly, and that's part of why you yeah. get a character like this also, because you have to have someone that's suspicious of them that can actually can actually do something about it. But you make that conflict, you make the conflict by having, well, now she's now he's involved with her, and like what's gonna happen here? This is what's well, his name? What's the what's the it's uh McDonald Carey, I believe, is the actor. Yeah. Well, Tarantino would have said this movie's terrible because a real person would have had, you know, Uncle Charlie and little Charlie have sex. They go real all the way with the incest stuff rather than just a hint. Well, if he wants to see a De Palma movie that would certainly deliver on that, he can. Right. <laughs> Isn't that what I've just been implying the last five minutes, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm shipping them, damn it. He's folding in the eggs. Finally, we, under- we can understand what this means. Folding the eggs. <laughs> so I can poached, hard-boiled, scrambled, or... Oh, folded. Folded. Okay. Yeah, folded. I, I love this, where, Char- where it's like, let's go to Charlie's room, and he's just not there. <laughs> and he's, like, escaped out the window or something. <laughs> I think you could also look into this as like her being a young woman and then coming to her own and maybe Charlie's seen as more of a father figure than her own father. And this would be like the first boyfriend type or something. Then yeah, the difficulty of the father letting go and because her father doesn't seem to have any interest in being a father to her in this movie because it's all focused on Charlie and stuff. And it's he's a he's like 68 like he's, he's an old man <laughs> like it's a mm-hmm. it's a very old father not that's impossible but yes the her attachment to charlie he's someone that's much closer to her in age mm-hmm. i mean there's there's clearly like a bond there that i think insists on their generations being closer to each other yeah and at first do we realize that these guys are like cops and not maybe mob after him like he he pissed off the wrong people we're pretty clear uh, that they're cops. I can't say I ever thought that they were mob people just because of the way they're yeah. lit and dressed. You know, like I feel like the mob would have a specific look to them. Right. You know, unless they're trying to hide it. But I thought this movie's not really playing those kind of tricks. Yeah. And, and I also guess... the way he's introduced right off the bat. He's not like he's sweaty because, oh, I'm in too deep now. Oh, no. Yeah. Ah. 
I guess that the the stakes here are like, oh, I don't want to disappoint my mom because she likes Uncle Charlie, or just the please, Uncle Charlie, don't be bad. <laughs> But then, I mean, then it turns into a, is Uncle Charlie going to do something to her because of this? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, the eggs are folded. <laughs> well, Mom, I don't think we're going to have an incest problem, but this guy may be dating a minor. So, you know, <laughs> my cop boyfriend. The score here is from Dimitri Tomokin, who would uh, do a few more Hitchcock films. The Stranger, Strangers on a Train, I Confess, and Dial In for Murder. Um, I don't know if he has a regular before this point. Obviously, Bernard Herrmann yeah. gets super involved in him later on. I do like watch this like now, like uh, Uncle Charlie. His uh, his suits stick out among the pack compared to every other male actor in this film. Yeah, they're they're purposely made to either be darker or lighter or what have you just to mm-hmm. make him seem like an alien granted he's taller than everyone else in the film too but and he's blonde you know he has mm-hmm. a he's a certain look to him and these stairs this, this stairwell reminds me of psycho even though we're not too psycho yet but like watching this i'm like i recall psycho it's probably just the style of house from then you like hitchcock has always enjoyed stairs yeah and the house specifically like he chose this one because it has a like it's slightly run down like it's not a it's a nice it's a big home but mm-hmm. and it's and it doesn't look like crap or anything but it is like it does have like lived old, in yeah it's lived in it has an older vibe to it where the, yeah. it's, it's not a pristine new house it's not like the despite being an idyllic town it's not this like you know the like a house that emerged from you know it's still, we're still in the war too so it's not like it's like the new neighborhoods or anything they're coming in the 50s it's this older right. older style blending generations kind of thing and I'll say it again for listeners, um, as I'm watching this 4K Ultra HD one, black and white is like 4K Ultra HD is the best thing to happen to black and white films. Yeah, it looks it's remarkable. So, watch. like the, the fact that I watched Shadow of a Doubt in 4K is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, but just everything black, like black and white, and the black and white, and then 90s movies have benefited a lot from. 4k ultra because a lot of 90s movies i don't know if it was just not like the time and care wasn't there but a lot of them didn't translate well to blu-ray and then now in 4k it's like oh okay these don't look like ass so the girl was the name of the uh, the the tippy the tippy hedron um alfred hitchcock movie with toby jones oh yeah sienna miller was the The one where they were the the one where they were trying to me too alfred hitchcock way after his death because that was going to do something i mean trying to it's not like he, he did things <laughs> but yeah, yeah he, he did things but that that movie made like he's almost like that movie he is almost like yeah it, it, not it, a human being in that movie yeah like i think even tippy hedger would be like yeah that's a bit much but yeah that movie i was just like this is no, like what is the, what am i watching here like i was interested i'll watch anything like even positive negative but like i don't care that they're taking a negative light on alfred hitchcock but i'm like okay this is not even a human fucking being here yeah. but like this is he's like tp what are you doing tp like what is this great so, pete laurie impression right there man that's what he was doing <laughs> <laughs> 
Toby Jones, I'm like, what is this? Oh, my tippy. Like, no, what the f- <laughs> right, now they're on their date. With the position date. I mean, we're at the halfway point in the film, so yeah, it does help to be like, mm-hmm. we should probably get a oh, little yeah. idea of what's happening here. If you just tuned in. Which was this? This was probably airing at a time where a movie was an all day, like afternoon affair. You went and oh, yeah. watched like news, you got movie serials at this time. So you might have had more to your day and you might have had to go pee during it. So, and if you walked in halfway through the movie, well, here you go. You're being brought up to speed. Yep. Is that something? I mean, uh... You always hear about that, especially, you know, Psycho was the first time that they said you had to come in the beginning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that, did people actually come in in the middle of movies and just not give a shit? Or is that just some weird old wives tale, so to speak? Oh, I think they just, like, well, my grandma told me back in the day, like, a lot of times she get dropped at the theater when she was a kid and her friends would just be there all day and the movies would run multiple times, but they'd run newsreels, they'd run cartoons, it was like a whole yeah. day. So you just showed up and you started wherever you were at and you could stay and watch Oh, I got in the middle of this movie. I'll stay and it'll it'll rerun. It was just it was just a lot different. Um, yeah, I'm sure there. Were... When I was a kid, it sort of befuddled me the idea of not starting at the beginning. Right, but whatever. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 the exact same thing that Brandon's aware of. That's how I understood it. It's just like you're there, you're there. I mean, you do what you need to mm-hmm. do. You're hanging out in the lobby, or just walk in and sit down, watch for a while. Yeah, it was like where mm-hmm. her and her gal pals would hang out for the afternoon would be the movie theater. So the ninth gate's over. She's sneaking. Hey, look, Final Destination just started and the plane hasn't blown <laughs> up yet. I'm going to quietly take my seat. <laughs> <laughs> One of the rare times I did that, by the way. Get to watch those kids die. Yeah. <laughs> One of the rare times you did what? Double features? Well, one of the rare times I snuck into a movie. Oh, Scott, this this is my this is my two thousands doing double features all the time. <laughs> oh my god! Well, yeah, but I paid for each. I mean, I've done quadruple features in my day, but I usually paid for every ticket. Sure, all right. Um, and I didn't, you know, walk in the, you know, I didn't start in the movie that had already you know, significantly begun. I I've, I've paid my dues when it comes to movie theaters, so I never felt guilty about <laughs> wandering into the next film. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the other time I did that, mm-hmm. Ninja Assassin, and then I snuck into the Blind Side, which had just started. That's Thanksgiving two thousand, just before nine, Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, nine, or just after Thanksgiving weekend. Because it was just I did not see Ninja Assassin opening weekend. Is it two thousand like the Monday or Tuesday? If after. you didn't give Monday to money to the Blind Side, then I and then I applaud your efforts. Is that two thousand nine? Yeah. Okay, because that's where mm. I saw we, my friend and I, we saw Fantastic Mr. Fox first, then we, then we jumped over to Ninja Assassin. One yeah, was again, one of, was good. I, <laughs> I I peaked in the theater, and you know the two of them had not met yet, so I figured I was okay. In Ninja Assassin, <laughs> I'm sorry. In Ninja Assassin, I no 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 yep. yeah I figured that, yeah. <laughs> that that boy had not the the, the the one that's aged worse. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That boy is I changing, have, you know, changing her life. I Not saw yet. it. 
I liked it for what it was. I have not watched it since, and I'm kind of afraid to. I saw that trailer. I'm like, I know what this is. And I said, no, thank you. And uh, then <laughs> then history played its course. <laughs> <laughs> it was 18 <laughs> holes. I do. I do. Like, yeah, we talked over and that's fine. But you know, when her mother was trying, you know, take Anne. She's the one that can actually give you the information you want. It's like, no, I want your hot daughter. No, no, no. Take Anne. She can give you know, knows everywhere around town. No, no, no. I want your hot daughter. Okay, fine, fine. You can have that, Charlie. Let's see. So this is this is um since you mentioned at the top of this program, Aaron, that mm -hmm. we're doing this for Noir Vember, but this is like one of the few Hitchcock films that would classify as a noir, a true noir. Yeah. Um <laughs> Like entirely right. I mean, he he made thrillers, he made suspense films. He, you know, you can argue horror with some of his movies and psychological drama, psychological mm -hmm. thrillers. Um, but yeah, Shadow of Doubt it firmly kind of fits in the noir category, which is is interesting that there's not like what else are there? Maybe the wrong man, frenzy, maybe or I the wrong because no, the, the wrong heroes as much of a jerk as the killer in different ways. <laughs> What's it doing? Because there's so many of his films that are like. They're thrillers, but the fact that they're globetrottery, it's like precursors to adventure films, but they're not quite because it's like adventure at that point. It's like right. swashbucklers, but they're not swashbucklers, obviously. Like there's a world, there's like a different screenplay for Notorious that will work as it, but Notorious as is, I wouldn't consider a noir movie. His silent films, I think, fall more into that kind of category. Mm -hmm. that, that's more okay. that's more noir territory for him. because, And that's like because right. you're mixing a lot of like German expressionism and the filmmaking that he's going yeah. for. Yeah. And then it's like, and then it comes down to you know, like you're splitting hairs between what certain scholars will say about noir versus thriller or what have you. Right. So, something like Strangers on a Train. It's like, because like <laughs> noir, like the point, it, it kind of gets into that like Jallo territory where it's like, well, it's black and white, and I think there's a mystery going on. Noir. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, the the simple definition of noir was, you know, something like this, where the gimmick is that you know there are no heroes. No sure. heroes, um, uh, so you had, you know, trouble in paradise, underlying things, damsel. Like, there's no femme fatale. Or there's no like, no the obvious know, tropes don't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. In this one, but that doesn't mean it can't be. It's just like a one of them that's missing from this. But this one definitely, uh, definitely fits the bill. I think of his. Maybe it's his only one that truly fits the bill. Yeah, it's it's. It, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, the, yeah, the, it's so much. It, there's a lot of debatable aspects. It's about some of the other ones, but yeah, Shadow of the Doubt seems like the one that actually like, tr truly fits with that line without too much controversy yeah. to be saying that. Because a lot of them also like they they're his his genre. He sort of crafted um, starting with like Thirty Nine Steps to go into like you mentioned, Pork Correspondent. That, yeah, these you know, wrong man adventure thriller yeah. type films that the Coens also brilliantly do as well. Yeah, because they they make um, he makes Hitchcock movies or they make Coen Brother movies. Like they're just yeah. they, you know, there's it mm -hmm. doesn't ultimately doesn't necessarily matter. It's like the genre is a genre. Like Rebecca, yeah. people like to call a horror movie. And I'm like, okay, go for it. Like I'm not against that. <laughs> it, it certainly could fit in that web, but it, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he also doesn't have like because like 
you know, people grow up like, oh, horror. I'm like, yeah, he has like two straight horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> Hitchcock does the two of their two of his biggest, but that's really all he's got. If you want to go like just straight up with. Yeah, I mean, the bird, and birds, right? The, bir- the birds is a birds, mon- yeah. is essentially a monster movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's what, it's a creature feature. Yeah, it's opening the door for Jaws. Um, Here's what the movie's like. Let's just lay it all out there. Here's three paragraphs to really describe to you. What's <laughs> it is a period of civil war. Rebels fight. <laughs> the dead speak. Oh, the, shit. Yeah. Oh, no. There's Somehow no the Mary Widow killer has returned. <laughs> he tucked when he fell under that train and he survived. <laughs> also clones somehow i don't know i guess <laughs> you know you did one of those where he made a clone but it wasn't really him but he let that serve in its place for a little time being i don't know what the goal was there but it made sense at the time i God, fucking movie I, uh, I, I lied your uncle charlie is somebody you <laughs> <laughs> have his power Young Charlie, here's your medal. Congrats! I, by the way, the the, <laughs> const, the constant visual motif of the uh, of the the waltz dance that's taking place every time, like there's a significant <laughs> transition. That's fun. That's a fun like little Hitchcock. Like it's not like that doesn't need to be there at all. And it's like, ah, eh, what if we did that? It's, it's like an interesting flourish to add on top of all of this. What's your name, Charlie? Charlie what? Charlie Doubt. <laughs> Da-da. Pulls out an orange emerald, puts it on her finger. This mean so, we're doing a Rise of Skywalker commentary in December. Well, we haven't done oh, our last wow. Jedi commentary yet, actually. So, we've... ooh, yeah. that sounds slightly more appealing. Although, because te- we we did Force Awakens, I guess technically we're supposed to do Rogue One, Rogue One first, right? Yeah, we paused because we did avatar last year well we paused because they stopped making star wars movies that's what we (laughs) that's the reason (laughs) but they still make the shows (laughs) we're kind of in a in a in a flux right now as far as when the star wars commentaries continue because they they don't make movies anymore (laughs) that's the the issue no they 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 make slates of movies now and then then you wait a couple years and then they give you a new slate so when the when when taika's movie comes out in 2029 then we could resume our commentary tracks for star wars well yeah because then the then we'll have the ryan johnson trilogy coming after that so yeah and this movie comes because dune got moved because we're gonna do lynch's dune that was gonna be on the table Mm -hmm. for a while and then that didn't happen so we gotta wait till march i guess (laughs) to Mm -hmm. maybe do lynch's dune but no we have to we need to come up with we have to do our our, like beginning of the year theme prediction we have to think of that too oh yeah that's fun to do let's make put something together i like that yeah for the first half of the year or whatever, so we'll think we'll think of something for sure. Jesus movies. <laughs> mm. Sorbo classics. <laughs> what was that? Sorbo classics. Oh yeah, yeah. God's not dead. Meet the Spartans. Oh, I thought Jesus movies like you know ET and RoboCop. Oh, that's not bad actually. But we've done we've done <laughs> we've done RoboCop. The Crow? We've done the crow. We've done the crow. We've uh, done Robocop. We've done the wrath. The what? That's what it's called, right? The wrath. The Charlie. The Charlie. The wraith. Piker, the wraith. The wraith. wraith. The wrath. Yeah, same thing. We could do Cool Hand Luke. 
we're not doing this theme. We <laughs> can come up with something. <laughs> All right, fine. Although a series of commentaries that's E.T. Cool Hand Luke and the Wraith is really something. We did E.T. already. We haven't done E.T. Yeah, we did E.T. Oh, oh, Scott and I did E.T. I thought we did E.T. No, we did E.T. Yeah, we, we have not done E.T. Did. We did E.T. Did we do E.T.? Yeah, we did E.T. <laughs> now that I'm saying that out loud. Scott, that... and I, Scott and I did it on Summer of 82 at 40 and we did the commentary. Now that I'm getting indignant about it. <laughs> Check we done E.T. We did do E.T. Yeah, see? Why did we do ET? I assume because it, it was forty years. Because it was forty anniversary. Years anniversary. Got it. Okay. We've done a lot of commentaries. <laughs> oh, it was it was me and Nancy and Maxwell. Scott yeah, was not on it. Yeah, Maxwell was on it. I remember this now. And we talked to ET the ride here too on it. Go oh, on. we definitely did. There's a link. All right, but it's not even that long ago, too. Jeez. <laughs> I'm gonna keep track of all these things. When it's turning five, you want to do glass? <laughs> I got a whole well, list of. We have a lot to say. I got a list of December obviously we can talk about later on, but yes, but we'll come up with a theme for January through April or whatever we end up doing. Probably May now, since there's not like a standard kickoff movie anymore, so we'll extend the theme out. We're doing like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I thought of that for just we'll talk about it. We'll save that. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We gotta talk about this movie. Oh, okay. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Not got... the not the theme for next year. Just Jesus Christing us getting back to this movie. Big red bottle. And this is the scene where he drops all pretensions of not being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Very Travis Bickle. Well, Travis's heart's in the right place. <laughs> That's the read on that movie, right? He's doing it for the greater good. Bickle didn't kill any widows. He killed pimps. <laughs> he, killed pimps. he made widows. <laughs> he never assassinated anybody. Neither did Travis. He tried and failed. Yeah, but he went and got the right people that deserved it. The mom, like you could say, like she the never mom wavers. in this. You could say like the mom in this is like if you told me like it was Joseph Cotton's aunt, like in this movie, you'd be like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, like the the parents are like older, so he must be a little little brother. Yeah, he's youngest by far. Granted, there are weird things in this era because, like in North by Northwest, Cary Grant's mom is like. The actress is like five years older than him. Uh huh. It's just aging was different. Good thing that ha never happens anymore. North by Northwest seems like one that's lined up to be a commentary for us eventually. That's just a fun movie of to course. talk about. I love that movie. Like Cary Grant's given like an all timer comedic performance in that film. <laughs> like it's so it's so funny <laughs> watching him uh, worm his way through situations. And he's drunk when he gets pulled over, drunk mm -hmm. and in the courthouse. Oh gosh, that's good stuff. But yeah, especially the early on stuff where he's like being con you know, when he's trying to wrap his head around being confused for somebody else. Mm -hmm. He's like knocking out all these lines. 
like for all intents and purposes, I think that is my first Cary Grant movie. It's certainly the first one where I'm like seeing him like in full charm mode. Like I might yeah. have seen, I might have seen like Gunga Din at that point, but like mm-hmm. full That's on a- like Cary Grant charm, Northway Northwest, I think is like the first one I like really saw him like just do that in. Gunga Din's a good one to co- we could commentary. For what it's worth, the notion of him having injured himself in a bike accident when he was a child mm-hmm. and sort of changing his personality in a negative way that was also inspired by the quote-unquote gorilla killer hmm. who was in a accident in a bicycling accident when he was dead and allegedly caused mood swings and what have you hmm. um the the gorilla killer was allegedly america's first sex murderer hmm. so, um so he killed something like 22 people give or take do you think um, the the neighbor guy is like slightly like a, a little bit of Hitchcock putting himself in the movie because he was always obsessed with murders and yes thinking yeah. of murder you know like so I'm like yeah he's a he's, he's a, like the he's like the Harpo Marx version of Hitchcock. It's a weird because like it's not a red herring because like we know Uncle Charlie did something like it's not mm-hmm. like he's here to yeah. like throw us off he's just like this weirdo that's like, like even right now he just kind of walked into the house while they're all having dinner it's like hey guys hey uh. I'm not having dinner. I'll just sit over here on the neighboring couch while you guys continue your meal. By the way, I want to talk to your father about death. <laughs> what am I I, you'll never guess what I just thought of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if I want to be navel-gazy about it, I might argue that the character is there to say that Charlie isn't that unique in terms of you know less than ideal people and otherwise picture-perfect suburbia. That he's yeah. not as much of a, you know, he's not just one fluky bad apple. Um, but other than that, he's just a very funny character. Well, it, <laughs> not, it's not funny. The, not the little Charlie, though. She's fed up with this. Stop talking about death, you guys. I can't handle this. Anymore. Well, it's funny. There's there's another version of this movie where this guy keeps bringing up these slow, easy, like non predictable kill ideas, and Charlie starts doing them to little Charlie. Because he's picking up on what this guy's saying, and then like, oh well, if someone caught, they'd think the neighbor would do it because he was bringing this up all the time, hmm. like making her sick or so. You know the uh, killers of the flower moon thing, <laughs> like. But <laughs> so, so he's doing, and she stormed off all the way to the city. We missed the earlier one when she's trying to cross the road and she nearly gets hit mm-hmm. by the car, which is a good little stunt. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't, it's hard to think about, like, how the, not hard to think of, but, like, it's interesting to think about, like, the techniques used at that time where it's probably just, like, reverse shots and slow down the film or what have you. But it's a good little bit where she, like, tries to cross the road and the car, like, almost hits her and it, like, it looks like it almost hits her. Yeah. I'm like, I assume they probably had, like, a stunt woman on there. Unless it was just, that much of a you know, like a reverse shot or something where there's just never any chance of any danger to begin with. Charlie's really uh losing the favor here. You see some guys in uniform walking around the streets too. So I mean the war is not completely out of sight, out of mind. I found a frequent collaborators page as far as like directors and actors that work mm-hmm. together a lot. And it's, you know, for Pitchcock, it's obviously Carrie Brown and James Stewart, you know, for each. 
which is not super impressive as far as that goes. But I like I scrolled down a little bit, got to Ron Howard 17 times for Clint Howard. Killing it. <laughs> Can't stop him. Rance Howard is in 16 of his movies. Granted, they did like minor parts for both of them, but still. <laughs> if they there's, their... a, there's a lot of people that do a pair of movies with Hitchcock. Yeah. Of course, like yeah. Tippy Hedrum, uh, Bruce Dern do too. Bruce Dern does too, yeah. Um, what's her name? Um, not Janet Leah, the other one in Psycho. Vera Miles. Vera Miles does. does no, she does three. She's got three. Uh, yeah. No, well, she has an episode of um, Presents, mm. which is the one I believe it's the one that's um, that Us is based off of, actually. Oh, okay. Or loosely oh. inspired, loose, loosely inspired by, I should say. And his daughter's in plenty of his films too. She's and she's always a fun. Pro- I like when the train is on a train. She's a couple yeah. lines. Grace Kelly got three, which is okay. rare. For, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Most for like a, uh, a Hitchcock, you know, one of his leading ladies. Same with Ingrid Bergman actually. She got three too, mm-hmm. but one of those is under Capricorn, so it's like. Eh. <laughs> Grace Kelly got the good ones. Dial on rear window to catch a thief. To catch a thief, which is like, you know what? What if we tried less on the mystery and more on the what if we all just looked good for two hours? Yeah, I thought that <laughs> I like that's yeah. That's and an then, okay one. It's okay, but then obviously um <laughs> Johnny Jeff and Angelina Jolie decided to make it better years later with uh, the tourist. Yeah. That's on a short list of like high profile films that I think are some of the worst ever made. <laughs> like Suicide Squad? Yeah, that'd be high up there. It's a like ratio to cost, star power versus like quality of film. Yeah, that, that fits the bill. The tourist and Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Like when Ricky Gervais, when I see clips of Ricky Gervais making fun of Johnny Depp about the tourist, I'm like, yeah, grill him. Please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be as mean as you want. What <laughs> that double abs? I, I guarantee you, I saw something else the same day I saw the tourist. This is a, I mean, we're talking over, but this is a great scene, by the way. It is. There's a lot of tension the, here oh, and a lot of. Uh, <laughs> the, the waitress just like, come on, come on, you know. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. It's excellent. And you can just sit and calmly have the camera placed and let the actors work, you know? Let them. I, I don't know if, like, nowadays, like, the actors like lots of cuts and stuff, or would they like to just be allowed to let go and see a scene out longer? You know? It's the one thing I'm wondering. I mean, it comes down to the, you know, the kind of actor they are, the kind of the relationship they have with said director. Yeah. Like Abe and I were just talking about this with David Fincher, where obviously he's someone that, you know, works them to the bone to get something very specific that he's looking for. And I think the the casual thought that some people have when they hear that is that like this guy seems like a, you know, a workhorse. He's just make he's just pushing them for no reason where it's like eh, filmmakers know what they're doing. It's not like they're doing yeah. it for fun, but there's a, there's a process involved in this. And some actors are certainly more receptive to certain kinds of processes versus others. 
Like, do you want to be in a good movie from a good director? Like, you got to, there's a reason they are where they're at. Like, I, I watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, there's not many duds yeah. in the in the Fincher filmography. No. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched Godard's Contempt uh, not too long ago because it came out on 4K. And there's a lot of long takes with Brigitte Bardot uh, and uh, uh-huh. the lead actor in that movie. And they're far more exciting to watch play out than a bunch of quick cuts and stuff would be. And it, the camera's not really moving a lot. And it's just, I don't know. The actors can carry a scene too, a, a well-framed scene or well-blocked or, you know, just minimal movements. Um, but we're not cutting. is is exciting. It's invigorating and just watching life happen and just seeing how these reactions go rather than a one manufactured by a cut and getting to see some sort of authenticity to what's happening. Like I like things that are cut fast and exciting as well, but when everything's that way, I don't know. I, I come to appreciate long takes more, I guess. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak to, I can't claim to be like a good art expert, but like it's, you know, there's certainly a lot of experimentation and what how going on and like what he's choosing to do in certain mm-hmm. films that reflects in the, in the films where Hitchcock is, more formal like he's obviously playing with a lot of things and yeah he's got a lot of traditional like studio work and stuff like that but he's still he's, he knows a, at, yeah. yeah he's the master of suspense i mean yeah. yeah he knows a way to you know like a scene like this right now we're watching this or we watch that restaurant scene where there's like you know they're longer takes but like they're not reliant on the fact that of how long they're going let alone other takes that are you know cut to you know cut to one face cut to another whatnot he's doing things like you like to say here um you know hitchcock is a studio filmmaker he's a big big studio filmmaker um like you like to say when you talk about marvel and you come to like james gunn's guardians of galaxy movie like he gets to play with the same stuff everybody else does yeah he does like (laughs) why you know why why and why yes. is why are people not as yeah. well equipped to handle these things? It's confusing yeah. to me because it's not like these are untalented directors, but I mm-hmm. you know, that speaks more to I think the whatever leverage he has as someone that has a certain kind of experience and knows how to get along with the right people, if I had to guess. Um and versus... he's not the one who goes around calling himself a visionary. Well, I'm sure when Superman Legacy comes out, it'll say from the twisted mind of James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> from the from director the... of Slither. <laughs> and Super. And Super. <laughs> Jesus. From trauma extraordinaire, James Gunn yes. comes Superman <laughs> Legacy. From the protege of Lloyd Kaufman comes... <laughs> Tromeo and Juliet yeah. presents Superman Legacy. <laughs> From a producer of Brightbird, ironically comes Superman Legacy. And then when he goes through his press tour, all they're going to ask him about is Scooby-Doo stuff. Scooby-Doo. And, he's and, not the, be a... and, and if there's going to be a Belko experiment, too. Yeah, he's not going to get to avoid it. That's <laughs> The tourists came out the same weekend as the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I definitely saw both of those on the same Which day. Which made $400 million worldwide. On a lot less of a budget than Prince Caspian. I still remain slightly puzzled that it never went beyond three films. Kids got old. But whatever. Even though they I'm brought it um, The kids got yeah. old. They don't need them after a certain point. Kind yeah, of. I don't know the book. It kind of goes back and forth. Like, because they bring in. They need them at the final book, is where they the need them. The final book, they do but... for sure. 
they need le- they need less and less of them is the thing. They don't need all four of them very often. There's like one of a, one of our we're one or two of them that make it to like the third book and like by the fourth and fifth book cuz was it the magician's nephew that's like needs none of them. That's the prequel one, yeah, so that doesn't matter. That's like the best book too, I think. I remember correctly, but I I actually Voyage of the Dawn Treader is my favorite of those books. Okay, so, so that was one I was most excited to see. I'm like, well, at least they made that one. <laughs> like I got that. Yeah. Out of it. Well, there's also in, there, there's they, BBC they, miniseries of it too. I so. know. I've yeah, I've seen yeah. everybody in elementary school is required to watch the BBC Line, the Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> yep. so, like, yeah, yeah, no, that you got that right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone was intrigued. I by watched the cartoon. Everyone was intrigued by Turkish Delight, despite not knowing what they actually were. Hey, we sound, could do Lion, nice. Witch, in the Wardrobe during our Jesus run <laughs> next year. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the film that I was upset at because it was both not good and taking t- attention away from King Kong. Can, uh, can I tell you the vulgar, jo- vulgar joke that made Wendy fall in love with me on one of our first dates? This wouldn't be the first time. I feel Go like ahead. I can't stop you. Oh, you've you've heard this one before? You've oh, said it on my, you've said oh, it on okay, my yeah, show yeah. twice. Oh, then never mind. Never mind. I'll have to go to the reruns. <laughs> Yeah, go, go check out the Brandon Peter show to hear this dirty talk from Scott Mendelson. It has to do with Tilda Swinton, star of the killer. She may not have turned me to stone, but she kept me rock hard the entire movie. He went anyway. It's, it's like no one asked for that. <laughs> well, no one asked for that 10 minute thing on Narnia and the Shadow of a Doubt commentary, but here we are. Written way off script here The Lion, the Witch, and Uncle Charles. She's to be fair, I, I think the movie loses a little bit of momentum in the third act just because all of its cards are on the table. I don't think so it just wins. No, it becomes no. a different movie. It's it, a different it, movie. It also, I mean, there's a difference between losing momentum and we're doing a commentary track in a film where it's like, how much can we expel that's like, look how great this is. I mean, like... <laughs> While saving stuff for other Hitchcock commentary. Tracks. Exactly. Yeah, it's like oh. I can't just attempt to start talking about other Hitchcock. That opinion part. comes having just rewatched it this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I, I think it becomes a. a I actually sense did my of, homework for this one. It's a sense of like, what's he going to do to her? Can these guys do enough to protect her? Like, it's a it's a different objective here. How? What's her character going to be? Is she going to remain mm-hmm. passive to some degree? Is she going to be active? She's dressed as innocent as can be right now, by the way, with this like white yes. plaid dress that she's wearing and this like the, the white gloves, the white hat. Like she's they're presenting her as angelic as possible. And here comes creepy old Uncle Charlie just hanging on the veranda. See, like, you know, it's and it's a it's a reversal because at the beginning of the movie, she wants everything to do with Uncle Charles to be around. And he's kind of like, yeah, maybe we'll hang out now. It's like, oh, I have my eye on you. And she's like, please stay away, Uncle Charles. I said wrecked them, damn near killed them. What? No. <laughs> this one was nominated for Best Story, by the way, which is an interesting yep. Oscar. So let me look at the Oscars for 1943. Best Story, that's a specific category. Probably before they had the screenplay thing hammered out. Hmm. I won an Oscar for a category that doesn't exist anymore. Well, no, it it, it coexisted with best adapted and best original screen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, because there's that story by credit, so maybe we're like, well, let's see when did they retire this category. Fifty six was the last time we had, um, which was for Dalton Trumbo, the brave one. Trumbo. Oh. Uh, but let's see here. 
43. Oh, look. It's in the background. <laughs> yeah, they had, they had best, original, best original screenplay, best screenplay, and best original motion picture story. Oh. This was nominated and when screenplay went to Princess O'Rourke and best original screenplay, best screenplay went to Casablanca. Mm. Heard of it. We've done a commentary for that yet? No. We haven't. And Abe would be on that one. He loves Casablanca. Hmm. Big year. This is when we still had 10... We had ten pictures. Casablanca wins. We have the for the bell for whom the bell tolls. Heaven can wait. The original, um, the human. Co- Actually, no. Heaven can wait is like it's not the because the <laughs> the remake cycle of that film has such a weird like line where that's not the title of the original. What it's like? No, it's um that's gonna bug me. But like the Warren Beatty film is called Heaven Can Wait, but it's a remake of something mm-hmm. else um that has that story. Uh, but I'll think of that later. Um, let's see the human comedy in which we serve Madame Curie, the more the merrier, the Oxbow incident, the song of Bernadette, and watch the Rhine. Watch okay. on the Rhine are our best picture nominees of this year. And we remember Shadow of a Doubt way more than any of them. Uh-huh. I'm trying to I'm trying to find the list of 43 movies at this point. And see what else here we go. 43 and Phil. <sighs> Number of these are in the top ten at the box office. Well, Casablanca is number seven at the box office for that year. Interesting. This is the Army. It's the big film of the of the year, apparently, which is also Michael Cortese's movie. <laughs> he was uh, killing it at that point. Yeah, my Cortese. Uh, he's yeah. It's probably one of five films he directed that year. Yeah, he was certainly cranking him out. Also, oh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp was that year. Yeah, Jane Eyre. Um. Edge of Darkness. Uh, that's a Errol Flynn one. That was Frank, that Frankenstein weird. meets the Wolfman. Oh yeah, I walked with a zombie. <laughs> Let's see what else is here. Yeah, we didn't do the summer of forty three at ninety or at eighty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, diddle diddle. Phantom of the Opera, one of the various versions of that. Oh, that would be the uh, the Universal one in color, right? Yeah. Yes. I've actually seen that. Nelson Eddy and Claude Rains is Anna Foster. We're going over big films of 1943. This is not to be confused. This is not the uh, one of the Jackie Chan movies, but thank you, Lucky Stars. That okay. could be. That could be a title of one of the Jackie Chan series. Son of Dracula. Oh, oh yeah, because they did. Mul- they were they were a, a universe. They were Marvel at the time. They had multiple monster movies in the same year. Sahara with Bogart. Let's see. Lassie come home. I'm sure that was a huge. Madame Curie, the ghost ship. Okay. No, it's uh, it's a Luton. I think it one might be Val Luton. Yeah, it's a Val Luton movie. Yep. Richard Dix is the ghost ship. <laughs> calling Mr. Death, Dr. Death, calling Dr. Death. Here comes Mr. Jordan. That's the heaven can I'm wait. Changing. Original. Oh. 
it's killing me because I have the criterion of that. Here he comes, here comes the Jordan. <laughs> so Hitchcock here, we had Shadow of a Doubt. He'll do what Lifeboat next. Yeah, Lifeboat's right That's, after this. That that is like one of the best movies that you never think about. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh damn, this is really good. Um again, another one that feels like it could be a tremendous stage play. Spellbound, which it's a decent one, but it's not. That's one where you get excited because you hear Ingrid Bourbon and Gregory Peck are going to be in a Hitchcock movie. You're like, well, that can't miss. And you're like, that's ah, fine. And who was it? Did the, <laughs> there's like some uh, sequence with art from um, Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali. That's yeah. like a big, that's yeah, yeah, a big yeah. draw of that one. But overall, well, the kids are like, holy shit, a Hitchcock movie with Salvador Dali art? I'm there. Yeah, it's that a, might have been true. I don't know how well it did. I think it's another one of the Selznick controlled ones. Um, and it year goes on for year after that is notorious, which is just yeah, oh, that was so incredible. Good. <laughs> yeah, he is a good forties. Um, yeah, his fifties is like when he's blockbuster. Yeah, man. yeah, his fifties, <laughs> his fifties take it up another another level um like what if but in color 60s is where it like starts to you know slow descent it's it's, it starts strong like killer run it's it it starts strong and fades because you got you got oh yeah you got psycho and the birds which are huge hits martin marnie's notable because it's like yeah sean connor one of these and tippy hedron's back like it's it's a good movie Mm -hmm. um it's just like it's it's thematically so dark Oh uh, no, no, no. Like the he's start like, of the sixties is like the aftermath of the, the fifties. Like it's it's top notch stuff right there with those three. But Torn Curtain seems Cur- step Torn, down. Yeah, Torn Curtain's like a step backwards, a topaz, topaz. is a miss. Frenzy is like, oh, return to form, and then there's family plot. Frenzy's like return to form mixed with this guy's getting violent. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's modern yeah. it's modern. Oh, I can do shit now. Yeah. And I, I do wonder, and I, I'm answering a question I don't have the answer to, to what I'm wondering the extent in the 60s, mid-60s, early 70s, that he was sort of in competition with the quote-unquote new wave new wave type. Well, it's new wave and Italian horror. Like, he's, yep. he's, you know, he's a filmmaker who's seeing other films. Like, it's out there. He yep. certainly has ideas, yep. I think, of how to, like, oh. I mean, Mario Bava has busted out at this point in the, in the 60s. So that's somebody who's being looked at. And then... And the start of the seventies, he's got a guy named Argento being called the next Hitchcock. Was Argento the first person called the next like Hitchcock? I can't. Was... I, I can. I can imagine there are others that were probably maybe not popular, pop, is, as popular Spiel, as that. But Spielberg got tack, tabbed that, and then and then people start becoming the next Spielberg. That's the funny thing. Like the, <laughs> it was the next Hitchcock, and then. And it's just such a stupid moniker to throw on people. Like, just say like, "Oh, he's the next great filmmaker," you know, or something like that. Because Shyamalan, Sixth Sense, oh, next Spielberg, based off what? Like, what? they also what? they also did call him sort of the next Hitchcock, which yeah, they did too. Yeah, interesting to me because I mean, the limited, just because I saw a handful of them in film school, you know, the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable almost reminded me of Claude Chabrol pictures. More slow burn European thrillers. Mm-hmm. Signs, that's a Hitchcock picture, stereotypically yeah. speaking. Yeah. Um the, the other God, thing that with, killed an audience. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, what was that? Signs a great watch. Um, mm-hmm. in the theater. The other thing is that you know the '60s. He was also just his health was failing him. Like he was, he was, he right. was not, he was not in good shape at all. That's the other you know issue going on there. Torn curtain, especially like that. That, that well, we are. later '60s. Yeah. We also with his TV show, he was launching some major directors too, like Friedkin. Yeah. Was doing his show. Um, Spielberg do one. Does he do an Alfred Hitchcock presents? I always forget this. He had two shows. He had, the, he had the Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock Hour, and he had Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah, so. he did that, or if he if Spielberg did the other one of the other like anthology shows. Mm. Let's see here. Be fair, Hitchcock apparently didn't like Spielberg all that much. He didn't like Friedkin either. True. Probably saw competition on his door. Because I remember Friedkin. Like showed, he, he showed up uh, to direct the episode and he was in like stylish clothes and Hitchcock didn't like that and I think like they when Friedkin won his Academy Award for Best Director um, he Hitchcock was in the front row and he like came down and he said something like how's that for a guy without a not in a suit or something like that so, something snarky <laughs> and, then, and, and then he was went like, up to him and no go ahead He's like, hmm, Mr. Mr. Freak, can you blah, 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 blah. But that's back when the Academy Awards were like legit at a hotel conference room, too. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, he went did, up to Friedkin and said, I curse you. You'll have one more masterpiece and then you'll never have another hit for the rest of your career. Yeah, Spielberg just did a night gallery. That's what I thought. He did one of the other ones. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, obviously, like. Spielberg did it night, yeah, it was night gallery and night he had gallery. Columbo. Columbo and uh Bernie is it what's the Marcus Welby? Did he do one of those? That's what it is. Yeah, Tim Burton directed an episode of the 80s re- redo. Yeah, we talked about presents. it. Yeah, we yes. talked about that one. Yeah, he did. For some yes. reason I think yeah. Marcus Welby, you're right. He did one yeah, of those. Because he doesn't get started in that stuff until like the 70s. I mean, so it's you know. Like the Hitchcock, when's the Hitchcock show? Like it once once presents. That's like it's fifty five to sixty two. To six to sixty two, and, and then, then Alfred Hitchcock. Sixty two to sixty five is the Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, so it's it's largely a six. It's a sixties show. Yeah, and Spielberg doesn't really get started in that kind of era. Like he's making his own yeah. little things up until then. But which have you ever seen Spielberg's episode of Columbo? A long time ago, but yeah, yeah, it's just like, man, this guy's got it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, Greg, Columbo's a well-made show to begin with, but sure. like, still, <laughs> I'm so on the fence about buying that Columbo set. Where it's like, I, I am. That is on my list for the holidays. I want it because it's. You can just pick those up and go. I mean, there's, and there's. It's not like a ton of episodes. It was a. It was a very limited. Every time it was on show, there's. So it's just like they had, they had they had all those extras now they don't <laughs> like damn yeah that's... and I'm like I could watch it on Peacock and I have no commercials I can do that <laughs> but they are remastered and everything too so mm-hmm. like... yeah yeah there's a there's a very nice DVD set for them that you can get from like Target for like well if I want to own Columbo I'll own but, like yeah. the best looking version of Columbo for sure right that. I mean, that's that's the first of two sets they're gonna put out so. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and for the kids out there, if you like Poker Face, definitely pick check out Columbo. There's one that's like, I think it's like early 90s that has Rip Torn as the guest star where he like, his friend like wins a lottery and he kills mm-hmm. his friend and takes the lottery ticket. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep. 
because I mean they went from it was a show and then it became like a couple movies a year on yeah. Sunday nights. It was the original like he'll make these when he's ready to make these. Like because Peter Falk yep. was still a movie star, <laughs> like and he was just like yeah I'll, I'll be a I'll I'll be in a ninety minute TV special about this right? guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a big deal. Well, my, well, my buddy John Cassavetes isn't doing something. I guess I can come down to the old Universal lot and right? play detective. Oh, sure, I'll play. Meanwhile, Charlie almost died from uh, smoke exhaustion. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's smoke. a that's a weird setup there. He's like, you know what? We're going to try this. Mm-hmm. He's going to wake up and Uncle Charlie's there. I was like, get the fuck away from me, man. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Go away. Romance is gone. Mm-hmm. Murder guys all like, what's going on over here? Yeah. <laughs> this is a good way to do it. Okay, I can do that one. Yeah, get some alcohol in her. That'll wake her up. What's he coming off of this? Is Saboteur is what he's coming off leading into? Uh, yep, Saboteur is the one right before this one. And yep, this is the the bread of this sandwich is Saboteur and Lifeboat. Does Saboteur have the the Statue of Liberty shot, or is that Sabotage? Saboteur. Sabotage is one of his uh, Europe spy movies. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I could set it straight, this Watergate. Which I think Sabotage goes by different titles depending on where you're at. Yeah, no, no, it's Sabotage. Young and Innocent, but, yeah. And so sab- they, Sabotage is the woman alone in the United States. Right. So there's the man who knew too much, 39 steps, secret agent, sabotage, young and innocent, and lady vanishes or like his little run he has there. Mm-hmm. And you remember, you know what's cool with Hitchcock? Um, he had so much, a lot of public domain stuff. So you could like back in the DVD days, you could pick up like a Hitchcock thing that had like tons of stuff on you have a bunch of movies you'd have all those europe movies you yeah, have like those early ones yeah jamaica in 39 steps all that stuff and then they throw in like alfred hitchcock hour alfred hitchcock presents episodes um but yeah you'd have all that stuff it'd be crappy transfers and stuff but so that's why i was thought it was cool when criterion did lady vanishes man you too much 39 steps Mm-hmm. But then they, they didn't do the rest of them. foreign it's, it's foreign correspondent. Well, that's Hollywood, I guess. Oh, they yeah yeah foreign correspondent Hollywood. They've done yeah so they've done. Oh, yeah, they have done since because they have like Notorious and um, is Rebecca in there? Uh, Rebecca's yeah. in there. Yeah, yep, yeah. they have Rebecca. Um, so they've done that. Um, but I wanted more, but they have not. And North by Northwest oddly is not on 4K. Not yet. They uh with the sets they've been putting out. Well, that's Warner part, Brothers also. So it's... it was a part of that original set. So there a was masterpiece for whatever reason. Yeah, they kept deal including cut. It. And then they released sets that didn't have it after. But for some reason, North by Northwest just 
not worthy of 4k treatment <laughs> i want to i it sells because they it like it got consistently put out for a while like the blu-ray is amazing on north by northwest yeah that was one of the I, first blu-rays where i was like this looks like this could have been made yesterday like it's mm-hmm. such great restoration of that movie and like a 4k I, is gonna be ridiculous i still have my uh media book version of yeah that that's one. the one i have yeah even though i had that set i'm like i'm keeping this media book oh yeah stuff. yeah i'm getting rid of that mm-hmm but I, I, you know, as soon as Warner Brothers feels like it, I'll be happy to get the 4K for North by Northwest. I'll buy the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, they keep they put out like Warner Archive was almost done putting them out, and they've stopped short of putting Mister Mrs. Smith out. That's so the one. They, they, they put out Stage Fright, and then the only thing missing for Blu-ray, like literally, like Kino put out all these little gaps from the 1920s and 30s that needed out, and then it was up to Warner Archive to. Put out that Mr. And Mrs. Smith, and yeah, if you watch the uh, the Brandon Peter show video edition, you can see the awkward Mr. and Mrs. Smith DVD that sits underneath the Blu-rays for all the Hitchcock movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, what's this orange box? Oh yeah, that's right, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, still not on Blu-ray, <laughs> just kind of sits there, still not there, just mm. Aw- awkwardly shaped compared to the Blu-rays, so I can't really move it anywhere. Here she comes. This is great. I love that. Great. Boom. <laughs> we're in the we're in the ring. Throwing it in his face. I always have a priest over for dinner, you know. That's back in the old day, like, oh, let's have father so and so over for dinner. Gonna leave as a supporter <laughs> for one of those innocent trips to San Francisco. You know what? Uh, I decided, yeah, you know, I'm moving. What? Really? Yeah. Yep. I'll be back. I always come back. Five Nights at Freddy's 2023. Thank you. And she gets so upset about my brother who has done nothing but hang out with my daughter since (laughs) he's been home. I guess I could have hung out more, but I'm she only has, in large group she, she has young children to take care of for a yeah. 60-plus-year-old mother. A Taco Bell back there behind? No? Yeah, one of those 1940s Taco Bells. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. The mur- the murder guy just pointed out how he's gonna die. Yeah. Inadvertently. I wonder if that was intentional. It has to be. <laughs> like the the train's coming. Are trains like the most cinematic version of like public transportation things? Easily. That like it's, yeah, it's like the, the steam. The steam alone. The steam and, you know, planes. They're easier really... to shoot than planes. Right. 
but even if you have like a plane set, like it's like a plane's too compact for some reason. Yeah. No, there's so there's some there's so much variety of trains. It's very, very clear from the out the outside, the interior is like it all of it's like really interesting compartments. There's seat, a it's dinner, big, dinner, so dinner setting. have an entire it's it's what makes yeah, you there's only so much you can do inside a car. It's yeah, what there, makes it, it's what makes you wish Murder on the Orient Express was better. Yeah, like, yeah, it's plenty to work with. And it's not like Hitchcock. I like did, those films, but yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's a limitation to the train too that makes it more interesting than yeah, a it's boat. claustrophobic. Than a boat, because yeah. like You're boats trapped there. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at um, from Rush of Love. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can do oh yeah, fun. yeah. Mm-hmm. The best Hollywood action movie since The Adventures of Robin Hood. North by Northwest, North uh, by also West. on a train. Yeah. Uh, has train sequence. The, 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 yeah. lady, the lady vanishes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess you and the, the geography of, tra- of a train is really stupid but easy to understand. Whereas a boat, you're like, well, how does that work when you're in a big cruise ship or something? It also fits so, multiple genres. You can make a lot of comedic mm-hmm. sequences out of trains, you can make horror sequences, you make it suspense, you can make action. Like, there's so much you can do with a train. Uh, you can be on top, be on top of the train, be under the train, be on the side of the train. Right. Like there's so there's so many there's so many ways you can present that. Yeah, milk drama out of it. Okay, let's get in this special space where there's a rear projection window. <laughs> yeah. Charlie really just should have, you know, done anything else besides this to take care of his issue here. Whack the head first might have helped. Yeah, do do anything. And instead he's like, let me just wait here. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And their solution is just I'll just spin you around. Whoa. And then the and then the waltz comes on screen. It's perfect. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I always I always think when I'm watching that, I'm like, is the ring gonna play into his demise somehow? Like like he, he like it gets caught on him or caught like, but no, the ring's not anything to do with it. It just helps when she has to explain why she murdered her uncle later yeah. on. <laughs> like, well, let me, let, me, let me tell you this real quick. So, uh, I guess you're, and fell. I guess you're officially uh, single now, huh? <laughs> Did I mention we're cousins? <gasps> Ooh. He gives me he get, your father figure. He gives me uh, he gives me uh, Farley Granger vibes. This guy, for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, I can see that. Hmm. Sorry, she has three nominations. She has she had two nominations. She won. She won for Miss Miniver um, the year before this. She's not just yeah, she's not just an acclaimed actress, but an Oscar winner at this point before coming on to this film. Pride of the Yankees and uh, huh. Best Years of Our Lives are the other two she was nominated for. The end of a universal picture. Yay! If you like this film, Peacock recommends Cocaine Bear. Yeah. That said, I mean the the whole thought is, we'll just hold on to Uncle Charlie's crimes and just like say, "Oh, he died." Like, we won't really reveal that he was the the, the Mary Widow murderer, right? We'll just be like, 
We all, we all like Charlie. Yeah, their families don't need closure. We yeah. don't. We do, we don't want to disappoint mom. <laughs> Which is, it's a weirdly dark ending in that regard. As far as like, there's no resolution to everything else that happened in this, right? Just because they didn't want to upset mommy. Well, we did it. We talked about Shadow of a Doubt. Woohoo! <laughs> Which, as you, I'm just a girl in the world. Which you, as you mentioned, is in 4K. It's in the Volume 2 Alfred Hitchcock collection mm-hmm. from Universal. Um, which, I mean, all those sets are certainly worthwhile. Uh, but yeah. Um, good movie. <laughs> Say the least. No doubt, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. So, let me cut out these spider webs here and wrap this thing up. Oh. So... When, uh, well, as we wrap up here, where can people find more of you guys online, Brandon? I am on socials at Brandon4KUHD. Uh, you check out the podcast, The Brandon Peters Show, um, <clears throat> which is at thebrandonpetersshow.com. Anywhere you t- or anywhere podcasts are found, I have a YouTube channel currently running. If you're a fan of Doctor Who, I've got a series of 60th anniversary specials running. And Scott and I will be marching toward Aquaman The Lost Kingdom with farewell dceu as we take a look back in a retrospective of the uh film, films ranging from man of steel through aquaman 2 yeah momoa literally just announced that he's done with aquaman right he's, he's this is his last time pretty sure it's most everybody's been their last time through this so Could not uh you know blue beetle he's like put me in coach <laughs> <laughs> he got so screwed scott who will have more of you uh, the rap.com as well as X for now, uh, at Scott Mendelson on Blue Sky. Which please come to Blue Sky so I could leave X. I mean, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's it for now. Everything I do ends up over at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. I write for Wheel of Entertainment and Wise the Blue. I'm on Twitter, Ernst PS4. You can find this podcast everywhere you can find podcasts. Feel free to throw us a rating review on iTunes or Spotify. That'd be great. And yeah, um, that's going to do it for this commentary track. Next month, we got some options. We'll figure things out. We'll come back with uh, some ideas. Some are more fun than others, although I think all these are actually pretty fun. But we'll figure it out. We'll go from there. Scott, Brandon, thank you both for joining me for the Shadow of a Doubt commentary track. Oh, you're welcome. And yeah, that's going to do it. That's, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. Good evening.